the proof is in the pudding that you can draw inspiration for a podcast wherever you might find it. Even in burritos. What's up, anatomy nerds? Welcome to Anatomy Bites, a show for physical therapy students and beyond, where we discuss different parts of the body in bite-sized little chunks. This podcast is for anyone interested in learning anatomy for medical professionals, including PTs, MDs, pre-health students, and more. Thank you for joining us. Let's get on with today's show. And remember, this show is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice. The inspiration for today's episode has been drawn from my trap queens down in San Diego, aka the Easy Burrito Squad, Easy standing for El Zarape, the institution for which we have an unhealthy obsession of burritos. Um, I think we collectively owe each other probably all like a hundred burritos at this point. Um, this is the currency of our friendship. And you may be wondering what does burritos have to do with the trapezius muscle? And to you, I pose the question, what does burritos not have to do with everything in life? (laughs) Sorry. If you know, you know. My Easy Burrito Squad got me a really cool t-shirt, and I'm going to post a picture of it on Instagram as part of this episode. If you want to see it, it's totally worth it. Um, I got quite a chuckle. It has a skeleton on it with a trapezius muscle highlighted and a crown tilted sideways with the words Trap Queen across the top. So now I have been dubbed by my easy burrito bitches as the trap queen and I take no issue with this whatsoever and uh to them I say thank you I love all of the gifts I love you guys um it's great to have friends and with this the proof is in the pudding that you can draw inspiration for a podcast wherever you might find it even in burritos. We'll be right back. Psst. Hey, you. Nerd. Yeah, you. Before we get started, can I ask you a favor? Has Anatomy Bites helped deepen your understanding of the human body? Or helped you study for that lab practical that you were really struggling with? If so... Would you mind helping us boost our rankings in your favorite podcast app? If you're feeling the love for Anatomy Bites and you want to share those good vibrations, can you please rate and subscribe to this show? It's super simple and it will help us a long way. If you're listening to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app, rating and leaving a comment is super quick and easy. All you need to do is scroll down from the main show page until you see ratings and reviews and tap those five little stars and leave a comment if you feel so inclined. If you're on Spotify from the main show page, just hit those three little dots in the upper right hand corner of your screen and select rate show from there. It's super easy and doing this small kindness will help boost our rankings and help others find out about the show. So if you're feeling the love, 
hook us up. Thanks, and let's get on with it. And here's the bite. The trapezius is a flat triangular muscle covering the upper and back part of the neck and shoulders. It arises from the external occipital protuberance and the middle third of the superior nuchal line of the occipital bone. From the ligamentum nuchae, the spinous process of the seventh cervical, and the spinous processes of all of the thoracic vertebrae, and from the corresponding portion of the supraspinal ligament. From this origin, the superior fibers proceed downward and lateralward. From the inferior, upward and lateralward, and the middle horizontally. The superior fibers are inserted into the posterior border of the lateral third of the clavicle, the middle fibers into the medial margin of the acromion, and into the superior lip of the posterior border of the spine of the scapula. The inferior fibers converge near the scapula and end in an aponeurosis, which glides over the smooth triangular surface on the medial end of the spine to be inserted into a tubercle at the apex of this smooth triangular surface. At its occipital origin, the trapezius is connected to the bone by a thin fibrous lamina, firmly adherent to the skin. At the middle, it is connected to the spinous processes by a broad semi-elliptical aponeurosis, which reaches from the sixth cervical to the third thoracic vertebrae and forms with that of the opposite muscle, a tendinous ellipse. The rest of the muscle arises by numerous short tendinous fibers. The two trapezius muscles together represent a trapezium and by two, gray means left and right. A trapezium, which is a diamond shaped quadrangle, is what it resembles. Two angles corresponding to the shoulders, a third to the occipital protuberance, and the fourth to the spinous process of the 12th thoracic vertebra. Innervation. The trapezius is supplied by the spinal accessory nerve, cranial nerve 11. It is also innervated by branches from the third and fourth cervical nerves, C3 and C4. And actions. The movements affected by the preceding muscle are numerous, as may be conceived by their extensive attachments. When the whole trapezius is in action, it retracts the scapula and braces back the shoulder. If the head be fixed, the upper part of the muscle will elevate the point of the shoulder, as in supporting weights. When the lower fibers contract, they assist in depressing the scapula. The middle and lower fibers of the muscle rotate the scapula, causing elevation of the acromion. If the shoulders be fixed, the trapezii acting together will draw the head directly backward, 
or if only one acts, the head is drawn to the corresponding side. Whew. Okay, let's kind of dissect that a bit. Okay. So we get that when the whole trap is acting as one, so meaning upper, middle, and lower fibers are all activating. This causes scapular retraction and stabilizes the shoulder. Now when they say if the head be fixed, that means if the head is not moving, okay, that means if the origin is not moving and the insertion of the muscle is moving, let's think about this. The upper part of the muscle will elevate the point of the shoulder, meaning scapular elevation. This is when you hunch your shoulders up towards your ears. The middle and lower fibers of the muscle rotate the scapula, causing elevation of the acromion. This is upward rotation of the scapula. And I like to think about it more in terms of the inferior angle of the scapula because that's kind of an easier point of reference. So when we talk about upward rotation of the scapula, we want to notice that the inferior angle of the scapula naturally points downward and a little bit lateralward. Okay, so in, in a natural resting position, we are in slight, and I'm talking like three degrees, of upward rotation of the scapula. If it was neutral rotation, those inferior angles would be pointing straight downward towards your feet. But because we naturally rest in slight upward rotation, our inferior angle of the scapula, that point that's pointing downward of your shoulder blade, is pointing about three degrees laterally. Now, when you go to reach something overhead, you have something called scapulohumeral rhythm, meaning that the scapula and the humerus have to work together to achieve proper mechanics for that overhead reach. And so what happens on the scapula's end of things is that 60 degrees of upward rotation will occur before the humerus does any work on its own. So as you go to say abduct your arm, so going out to the side until it comes all the way overhead, your arm is creating an arc. And the first 60 degrees of that arc is actually achieved by upward rotation of the scapula if mechanics are moving correctly. And then as you go to access the rest of that arc, your humerus starts to kick in. And I will say this, this text differs from how I learned it slightly. Um, keeping in mind, we use this text because it's in the public domain, um, because it is an early text from anatomy. Um, the way I learned it was that the upper trapezius and lower trapezius work together for upward rotation of the scapula and that the middle trapezius doesn't have much to do with rotation at all. It's really more focused on retraction and stabilization, but lots of texts do differ. So check your sources and always know what your professor or teacher needs you to know for your exam because there's variation in all of these sources. And to me, if you think about it, if you look at the fibers of the muscle, 
just try to make sense of it from a, a standpoint of physics, right? If we're looking at the attachment of upper trapezius toward that lateral third of the clavicle, doesn't it kind of make sense if you were just to pick up a scapula by that one particular end near the acromion, like that AC joint area? If we're technically, you know, talking one lateral third of the clavicle, obviously it's not part of the scapula, but it's attaching to the AC joint. So let's say we're just lifting up the scapula by the AC joint, by the acromion. What's going to happen? If you just lift it up, it's probably going to take that inferior angle and tip it laterally, right? But again, we can't think of muscles in isolation either. We have other muscles that also work toward upward rotation, serratus anterior being one of them. So always know that force couples are happening, that, that multiple muscles are contributing to actions, but we're just talking about the traps today. So we talked about upward rotation and how important that is to an overhead reach, for example. Um, we can talk more about scapulohumeral rhythm when we come to other topics as well. This is just an introduction to it, but you'll see why in later episodes, why upward rotation is so necessary for upward reach when we compare it to its sort of evil cousin, which is downward rotation. Um, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Foreshadowing for another day, but a lot of shoulder injuries which occur in relation to poor scapulohumeral rhythm have to do with too much downward rotation as part of it. Again, never in a silo, just part of it. And then lastly, we talk about scapular depression, right? If we're just looking at the lower trapezius fibers, we're pulling the scapula into depression. And so kind of to back things up a bit, if you don't know the difference between the different movements of the scapula, this um, might be a little introduction for you. Elevation, scapula going towards the ears. Depression, scapula going towards the pelvis. Upward rotation, inferior angle going laterally and upward, if you can kind of imagine a little arc. Downward rotation, opposite of that, in toward the midline. Now those are the actions when we're talking about the scapula, right? When the origin is fixed, when the head and neck aren't moving, this is what happens to the traps. But what happens if the shoulders are fixed and it's actually the head and neck that are moving. So insertion fixed, origin moving. Let's talk about that again. And this is where we need to think about whether this muscle is moving unilaterally or bilaterally. Are the left versus right moving independently, one moving, one not, or are they both contracting together? Because this is going to change how this muscle works, right? So if we go back to these actions, let's talk first, let's keep it simple. Let's talk first about if both muscles are moving together, because I think that's kind of easier to picture, right? If both of the shoulders are fixed 
and both of the trapezii are acting together, it will draw the head directly backward. What does that mean to you? Cervical extension, right? Capital extension also. So extension of the head and neck, right? And that makes sense. If you look at where those muscles attach on the origin side, totally makes sense. Now let's say one side is moving on its own. This is where things get a little interesting. Grace says, if only one acts, the head is drawn to the corresponding side. Well, there's a lot of ways that we can interpret that. So we want to look at the way those fibers are directing. If we're imagining the head and neck moving in relation to mostly the upper and middle traps. So if one side is moving, I argue you're still going to get cervical extension a little bit. Makes sense, right? But there's going to be a lateral component and a rotatory component as well. So this muscle is going to be working in all planes, sagittal, transverse, and frontal plane. So obviously in the sagittal plane, we have that little bit of an extension moment happening. But we're also going to be able to have ipsilateral lateral flexion. Ipsilateral means to the same side as the muscle. So if your left upper trapezius is firing in these conditions, you're going to get left-sided lateral cervical flexion. Your left ear is going to come closer to your left shoulder. That's in the frontal plane. Now, what about, this is where it gets really tricky, what about the transverse plane? That rotation, that rotatory component look at the muscle fibers where do they attach this is so important because it's so confusing for a lot of people you're actually going to get contralateral rotation if your left trapezius is firing look at where the muscle attaches the spinous processes the nuchal ligament the occipital protuberance, the external occipital protuberance, right? Those are going to pull your head and neck to look toward the other side. There are other muscles that attach to the transverse processes of the vertebrae that tell a different story. So you need to know for traps, especially upper traps, when they're firing by themselves on one side, you're going to look the opposite direction. So if you combine all those actions together, we have cervical extension, lateral flexion to the same side, and rotation to the opposite side. So let's say, let's just say, there's a plane flying overhead, and that plane is veering toward your right side and it's coming from far distance to passing you backwards, right? So it's, you look at it ahead, it's coming toward you, and as it veers overhead, it's going a little bit toward your right side. 
It's going to be those left upper traps, my friends, that help you to look at it as it crosses behind you to the right. Up, over, and to the right. That's going to be your upper traps on the opposite side. So there's a lot of controversy about the traps that I haven't even touched yet. If you have a hypervolt or a theragun, for example, chances are you've probably used it for a significant amount of time on your upper traps. We blame a lot on our upper traps, especially for those of us who have a bit more of, let's say, like a forward head position, a sedentary desk job. We blame our upper traps for a lot. And I'm just going to tease you with one thing. I'm not going to go full details here. But if we look at length tension relationships of muscles, which means that every muscle has an ideal length from which it operates the best, we know that a muscle fires the best at its mid-range. So when it's too long, it doesn't fire optimally. When it's too short, it doesn't fire optimally. Right in that middle range is where that muscle is going to fire best. If we look at postural patterns, do people tend to have upper traps that are too short? If they're resting, resting position. If you're in your resting position and let's say you have this forward head position, curled forward shoulders, you're a desk worker, you're sedentary, chances are you're kind of in scapular depression. If you're in scapular depression, that means that your upper traps are going to be toward the longer end of the range, right? So why aren't we training upper traps? I know it sounds blasphemous. A lot of people disagree with this, but I just want you to think if we're trying to get a long muscle back to a more optimal range, that mid range of firing, don't we need to shorten it a little bit? Think about it. There's a very interesting article about this on the Physio Tutors website. If you're curious, just DM me and I'll send you a copy. But just think about it. If a muscle is too long, it can be painful. Because if it tries to fire when it's too long and it's not firing appropriately, it can be painful. So when you say my upper traps are painful, I've got knots or whatever, it might not be because they're shrugged up towards your ears. It might be because they're undergoing like stretch weakness, basically. And our shoulder blades are hanging out in our back pockets. Especially, I was a yoga teacher for a very long time. If you've ever heard this cue constantly constantly that yoga teachers no hate guys i'm part of your your squad shoulders back and down shoulders back and down i cannot tell you how many times when i was a yoga teacher i heard and said this cue 
And now if I had to go back and do it over again, I would tell people nothing. I let their shoulders find their own way. I'd probably cue more globally, but that's another topic for another day. So think about it. If you have yays or nays in regards to this topic, let's, let's talk about it. Maybe it's a subject for another day. So that's just the teaser about it. Be nice to your traps. They do a lot more than you think. Don't forget to train those uppers. And I'll see you next time. Well, that does it for today's show. What did you think? Did you love it? Did it leave you wanting for more? Let me know on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Nikki-Ray. That's at N-I-K-K-I-D-A-S-H-R-A-E. Until next time, nerds, A-B out. This show is written, produced, hosted, and recorded by Nikki Ray Alkima, Doctor of Physical Therapy. Moral support and occasional snoring provided by the resident pit bulls, also known as the Itty Bitty Pity Committee, Vita and Zoe. Anatomy readings are sourced from the United States public domain text, Anatomy of the Human Body, 20th edition, by Henry Gray and Warren H. Lewis. Opinions and commentary are my own and do not represent any institution or professional affiliation. Lastly, this show is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice.